Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have tremendous, tremendous news for you. Our partners at Bet Online they continue to get it done as the number one resource for all your sports betting needs this season. We're talking MLB, pro and college hoops, golf, horse racing, and more. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. All you have to do is head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag. BetOnline on your mobile device as well. BetOnline where the game starts. It is indeed March, and you know what that means. College basketball takes center stage. And hey, it's a sport fan's dream because of the possibilities for major upsets and fascinating stories. And if you're like me, you fill out that bracket and watch the underdogs and small schools go toe-to-toe with the sports giants. It's three weeks of college basketball at its finest with the best performers turn into legends. The spectacle of March, well, it builds on months of stories about team successes and struggles. College basketball reporters understand the impacts of the tournament on the sports finances and pro prospects for players. Aspiring sports journalists learn how to tell the stories of March and more at St. Bonaventure University. SBU offers an entirely online Master of Arts in Sports Journalism for newcomers to the field. There are actually no graduate exam requirements for admission, and you can enroll with a bachelor's degree in any field. Your love of the game and drive toward innovative storytelling finds a home at SBU. This sports journalism program can be completed in less than two years with flexibility built into the curriculum. Experienced faculty teach interviewing skills, journalistic ethics, and other essential skills for success in this profession. Many students have gone on to cover sport on the big stage, including myself, Adrian Wojnarowski, and Tim Bontemps. Get in touch with an enrollment advisor today at sbujournalism.com. That's sbujournalism.com. And learn how you can become a sports journalist. That's sbujournalism.com. Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. We are brought to you by Burn Dairy, Elevate Fitness of Syracuse, Jam and Beats, and Stanley Law Offices. Together, Stanley Law Offices will work to get you the maximum reward and huge tip of the cap. Thank you as well to friends of the platform, the Swan and Whitaker families, Bob Lindsley, Daryl Abert, and the Alonzo family. Buffalo Sabres beat reporter and insider for the Athletic, Matthew Fairburn, is our next guest. Terrific, terrific writer. Uh, Ran into him at uh, Sabres Oilers not too long ago. Uh, Just been so excited to get him back onto the show. Uh, You probably remember him from New York Upstate and then the Athletic uh, covering the Buffalo Bills, still with Joe Biscaglia here and there on the Buffalo Beat podcast talking Bills, but now a full-fledged beat man and insider covering the Swords for the athletic again he's on twitter as well at matthew fairburn and please get your athletic membership today it's cost effective and you get lost on the website i mean that in a good way lost in all of the content the articles in the content the writers and, and what they cover is absolutely terrific matthew fairburn thanks for a few buddy well how are you Hanging in there, man. Uh, before we get to really A to Z Sabres, um, I, I got to ask you about this Connor McDavid guy, man. Um, I've never seen anything like him, and it's getting to the point where I'm out of words. Uh, I ran into you, you know, not too long ago at, at Sabres Oilers in Western New York. 
two-parter to start. I mean, when you watch him play hockey, what do you see? And, and are you out of words like me? Yeah, I think that's a, a fitting way to describe it. It was so it's the second time I've seen him live, the first being earlier this season when the Sabres were in Edmonton. And it is pretty jarring how much faster he is than everybody else on the ice. And, you know, you combine it with his size and his incredible skill. It's just you can watch just him on the ice for the entirety of a game and pick up on new things every time that he does that are that are special. I was talking to someone in the press box last night just about the way he he catches a pass, you know, the the way he's able to adjust to an imperfect pass, the way when he catches a pass, you don't see it bounce off his stick at all. He's got such soft hands and he's just a step ahead of everybody else in terms of speed and often a step ahead of everybody else in terms of processing the game and what he's going to do next. And you saw last, you know, against the Sabres, you know, they did a pretty good job containing him, limiting his quality chances, limiting his shot attempts, and still from, you know, not perfect situations or not perfect chances, he got two goals in that game uh, and was the reason that they won. It's a, it's a remarkable year that he's putting together and, you know, he really is a special player. I think one of, you know, the best players to ever play the game. And it's going to be really, you know, exciting to watch what sort of accomplishments he's able to stockpile in the years to come because this is his best season yet. And it feels like uh, he's just continuing to get better each and every year. You and I are, are about the same age. I, I think I'm probably older um, by, by a couple years, but you know, I, I got to tell you, I mean, the only guy that comes to mind um, as far as, you know, a comparison, and we do this a lot in sports, like, oh, this is the best thing at this model that we've seen since, um, is Mario Lemieux. And, and and the reason for that is, and it's no disres- disrespect to any guy I've ever seen, Messier, Weiserman, that guy Gretzky, uh, it, it's because of the size and the skill set. But you know what? While Mario was fluid and he was fast for his age, McDavid blows him away in the speed category. And you you alluded to it. Speed, size, skill. He's still super young. All the soft uh, hand uh, uh, element to it. You've got the, the unbelievable skating ability just, you know, in small pockets. Lemieux is the closest thing I can think of, man. What about you? Yeah, the toolkit definitely is... You know, there's some Mario Lemieux there, but he, like you said, he's he's got a different gear than than Mario had. Mario was probably it, it's tough to say. It seemed like Mario played a little bit heavier uh, than than McDavid does, but height wise, they're pretty similar. And you know, it's funny, kind of had similar conversations with some people in hockey about Tage Thompson earlier in the year, and Mario Lemieux's name comes up with Tage Thompson just because. In terms of height, you don't see it a lot at the center position. Uh, usually when you do, you're talking about big power forwards. Yeah. And Connor McDavid and Tage Thompson aren't really that. You know, they're bringing a skill game with that size. And so, you know, it, it really is hard to find. You know, it's why Mario Lemieux probably comes up the most uh, in these conversations because he's one of the few in history to combine that size with the skating ability and the incredible, you know, stick work and, and the the high end skill game 
to go along with it. It's these guys play like they're, you know, six foot or five eleven, you know, in terms of their quickness and their ability to navigate tight areas, but they've also got a reach advantage and a size advantage and the power that comes with that of, you know, being six four or plus in Tage Thompson's case, six six. So it's uh it's really fun to watch these guys play and it's fun to see the you know, the evolution of the game to where a big guy like Thompson or, or McDavid isn't pigeonholed into being, you know, a defenseman or, or a, a power forward. The, the game as it, it is now really allows their skill to be on full display on a nightly basis. And that Sabres-Oilers game was, was such an entertaining game, as was the first one they played earlier this year. You know, two teams that just have that pace and that, that you know, high-end skill and they're willing to trade chances and uh you know it feels like the games are in a really good place with teams like that and with players like Connor McDavid yeah I I don't think the game's ever been better I know that I've gotten some social media posts on some videos this morning where you know people are coming at me with well you know it is he doesn't have checking he doesn't have the trap he doesn't have this he doesn't have that I'm like it's not like they're not defending the guy it's just a different way of defending the you know the two-line pass is no longer uh, but the goaltending is still better than it was earlier in Mario's career. It's better uh, than than it was probably just after the Hashik, you know, Wabrodur era. Um, you know, guys are bigger, and and I know they adjusted the equipment and all the rest. But it's not like they're just skating out there alone. And, and I gotta say, Matthew, I mean the 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 Gretzky era and the Lemieux era. You you want to watch some horrible goaltending? Go watch the '80s. Go watch the early '80s. These guys are falling all over the place. They're way out of the net. They're guessing. Uh, the pads are super small. And they have no idea what they're doing. Even the greats of the game are falling all over the place. I think that it's just a different way that they're defending these players now, but there's still kind of no hope. It almost reminds me of the NFL with a little bit of the rule changes. Even when you try to come at him and defend a Patrick Mahomes or an L, you want to go blitz, be, 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 be the guest of those quarterbacks. They're still going to beat you. you know. And that leads me to Patrick Mahomes. It leads me to some of the other great athletes in today's day and age. Listen, I know the NFL is king, but the NHL is huge still in Canada. It's still huge in niche markets and in markets overall in the country of, of the United States. I've argued that Connor McDavid is the best athlete alive. I know a lot of people will kill me for that because it's immediately going to the NFL. It's immediate football country. It's immediate to Patrick Mahomes. I think Connor McDavid's the best athlete in, in the sports world right now. What do you think? I think there's a, a really strong case to be made, you know, in in comparison to his peers, right, you know, where he stands. And it's a talented, talented league right now, the NHL, with, with a lot of high-end players. Loaded. Uh, and it, it's such a, a skill game. If you're, if you're watching it on a nightly basis and checking out games around the league, there's a couple players on every team, it seems like, that, that can do things with the puck that, um, you know, we're just not used to seeing, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And that's where, you know, with Connor McDavid, sure, is the game different now than it was, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago? Is it less physical? Is there, uh, you know, is the trap not there? Like you said, the goaltending's better. There's so many variables that are different. So comparing McDavid to Gretzky or Lemieux, it's always going to be a challenge in any sport to compare across eras, but just compare him to what he does compared to his peers. You know, if it were that easy... A lot of other players would have, you know, the numbers that he has, and they don't because uh, he really is special. And he has the size to handle 
a more physical game. He was engaging physically against the Sabres quite a bit. He, he has that competitiveness uh, that, you know, really stands out uh, when you watch him night in and night out. Like, the guy cares every single night and brings it every single night. So is he the best athlete, you know, playing right now? I, I think you can make that argument. It's, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I think you could have – I don't think anybody would argue that Connor McDavid is the best player in the NHL. I think it's pretty clear. And I think almost across the board in other sports, there would be debate, right? Like yeah. I think there would yeah. be, you know, some debate – uh, in every sport. And I don't know that you can have a very reasonable, reasonable debate in the NHL. So I guess relative to his, uh, his peers and his, you know, current, uh, crop of players, it feels like the gap between McDavid and the rest of the NHL is as big as any sport right now. Yeah. It's a great point comparing him, you know, that way, you know, to, to, to other players in his sport, because, you know, when everybody said, well, the rule changes and, uh, you can't hit quarterbacks. You can't do this and that. But yet, in that one single season, nobody had five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns like Patrick Mahomes. So that 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 was a good one by you, Matthew Fairburn, with us, Buffalo Sabers beat reporter and insider for the Athletic. Get him on Twitter at Matthew Fairburn. All right, let's get to the swords in full here, Matthew. A few questions on Buffalo. Uh, do you think this team will make the playoffs? Man, it's tough. It's been like uh, over the last couple of months. It seems like it's been this. Uh you know, up and down, back and forth, like, will they make it? Will they not? They, they go on some good runs and then, you know, have a, a small setback and then, you know, jump right back up the standings. Every time I look at it, you know, every, every game I'm sitting up there, you know, in the press box, writing my story and I'll, you know, pull up the standings page to get the, <laughs> the latest movement. And you look at it and it's like, man, this is a crowded race. It's That's crazy. what I keep coming yeah. back to every time. It's like, wow, <laughs> this is, this is crowded. And do I think the Sabres are good enough to make the playoffs? Absolutely. Will they make it? Uh, it it seems to me there's a better chance they don't than do just because of by virtue of how crowded the race is. And I don't know if that, you know, how this is all going to shake out. Uh, obviously, nobody's got a crystal ball. But the Sabres have a tougher schedule, it seems, than most uh, down the stretch. And, and I think that could present some challenges, but there is going to be absolutely an opportunity for them right up until the end, I think. And and I will not be surprised one bit if they make the playoffs, you know, put it, put it this way. I don't have any, uh, I, I'm not putting any vacation plans on the book for the end of April. Like <laughs> I think they have a, a legitimate chance. And I, I think, you know, it's all going to depend on the health of the various teams in the race. There's so many variables. You've got the Islanders, the Penguins, the Senators, the Panthers, the Capitals sort of probably starting to, to tail off considering they sold some pieces. Their math isn't great with some extra games. But still, you're talking about five teams, uh, one that ha has you know a President's Trophy recently in, in the Florida Panthers, one that has uh, you know players with Stanley Cup rings all over their fingers in the Penguins. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, there's a tough path, but... They absolutely have the talent. You see it, uh, you know, against the Lightning, against the Capitals recently, when they are on their game. And even against the Oilers, I thought, you know, their ability to string together games, you know, by the time people are listening to this, they'll probably have played the Islanders uh, on Tuesday night. And that game will have a pretty significant impact on their, uh, you know, their percentage chances to, to make the postseason, the, the probabilities, because 
they could, you know, it's really a four point game, you know, preventing the Islanders from getting those two points. If they can win, they'll still have three games in hand and they'll only be two points behind the Islanders. So it's everything I think that Sabres fans could have hoped for at the beginning of the year. You know, the idea that they'll be not just playing meaningful games in March, but potentially playing meaningful games into April. And who knows, maybe even ending the drought without sacrificing anything significant in terms of their future to get there. A few small, subtle moves at the deadline, you know, with some reasonable picks and prospects uh, heading out the door. But, uh, you know, I think two players that that helped them and in, in Jordan Greenway and Riley Stillman. So it's a, a pretty ideal scenario. And if you looked at the beginning of the season to where they are now, I think this is how a lot of people in Buffalo would have hoped it would turn out. And now people get to enjoy, you know, a month of meaningful hockey here. And, and they've been playing meaningful games, it feels like, since, you know, the, the middle or end of January. They really kicked into that that mode of it being kind of a playoff mode. And I feel like that's where they've gotten to. And they keep rising to the challenge. So I'm certainly not, not counting them out of this race. It's a, a tough, muddy race. But... They've got all the pieces to make it happen. Yeah, 20 games to go as we record this. Islanders tonight, people will hear this after the Islander game. Uh, and you're right with the standings, Matthew. I, I do the same exact thing. And you, know, you look at the Islanders, okay, 65 games, 62. They still have three in hand. Ooh, they lost that. That stinks, but still room to grow. Uh, still, still some time to get some points. Oh man, that Columbus loss at home sucked. I wish I could have gotten a point, but they're still right there. You know, and then and then you, you just keep going with all these thoughts. 68 points, 68 points, 68 points, 68 points. That's Buffalo, Ottawa, Florida, and Washington. All those teams behind Pittsburgh with the championship pedigree and an Islanders team that picked up Bo Horvat. I, I tell you, this is one of the wilder races and, and one of the most locked and loaded Eastern conferences or any conference that I can ever remember. Uh, as well. A couple more quick ones for Matthew Fairburn, the athletic, outstanding beat man and insider covering the Buffalo Sabres. Why is this team so bad at home? It's a great question. I, I think the best working theory, you know, the fact of the matter is there's a good chance that it's as simple as, you know, odd variants, right, in sports that, you know, for whatever reason this is the case. I think it's enough of a pattern that would suggest that there's something to being at home that is, you know, causing this. The best working theory that I've heard, and Kevin Adams mentioned it, Alex Tuck uh, mentioned it when he and I were talking and when they were on their California road trip about why they were so good on the road. And I think he, he mentioned that perhaps in the back of their mind, there, you know, is something to the idea that they put a lot of pressure on themselves to be the team that gets the Sabres back to to being what they think they can be, right? A team that Buffalo is proud of, a team that the the community can get behind. And so I think there is an added pressure at home to be like, okay, the building is full. We really got to come out and deliver so that it's full the next night. Uh, Or anticipating what the crowd is going to be. And if it's not quite full, you know, because the the crowd size has become a bit of a narrative that has surrounded this team because they played in a lot of, you know, half empty buildings last year and early this year that the crowd was slow to come back. And so, you know, these guys are aware of that 
and whether they're internalizing it all the time, you know, and whether that's the only reason that they're struggling at home, uh, I don't know. But I, I think there's a that's the best psychological spin I can put on it because when they're on the road, it's much different, right? It's yeah. you have that you know us against the world type of mentality. You're you're away from home. You're in somebody else's building. You're going to keep it simple. You're going to play hard, and you're and you're going to try to uh, you know ruin the the home crowd's night a little bit. And at home, it, it definitely is a little bit different, especially in Buffalo, where you know the playoff drought and the you know the the fan support, rightfully so, waned for a little bit because uh, you know there was a, a product not necessarily worthy of support for a long time. So I think there's a there's a component of that because when the building is full they tend to play really well. And when it's a little bit less than full or, you know, not quite there, you know, there, there's a bit of a drop off. So I don't think this is any sort of trend that there's reason to believe it'll carry over year to year, or, you know, we'll, you know, follow them around as this team develops and grows. I I think it's just a matter of where they're at, you know, as a team in their development, being very young and where the franchise is at off the ice in terms of winning back the fan support. I think if they keep progressing the way they have as a team, there's no longer going to be a question of what season tickets look like. What what is the what does the crowd look like tonight? It's not going to be a nightly or monthly conversation because the building will fill back up. And I think. I, I wondered how long it would take, you know, because at the beginning of the year, my thought was, you know, these guys are pretty exciting. You've got one of the best players in hockey and Tage Thompson. Still those, those midweek games were, were a little bit slower to fill up, but lately, you know, the, the crowd has been consistently pretty strong. Uh, they've been selling out more often. And I think it's, it's, it's Buffalo. So if these guys win, if they're on the brink of the playoffs or if they make the playoffs, that's going to be a massive boost. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to get reengaged with this hockey team. You're already seeing it in a big way. And I think it's only scratching the surface. And I think once they get back to that point, that's going to be, you know, a huge, a huge psychological boost to the players. And it'll be something they stop thinking about entirely. Yeah, I just want to kind of get rid of the word drought for a while in Western New York, you know, in either in either sport. It'd be nice to go like some years here. We don't we don't have to deal with it. Uh, in, in the final minute or so, I, I've got left with you. Um, ca- kind of a small two parter. The goalie situation, short term and long term, is it? Are they looking to work into maybe a three goalie uh, kind of merry go round if they make the postseason? Because let's face it. Comrie still isn't quite all the way there yet, probably physically. Is Craig Anderson at 41 sustainable? UPL is still young. And then beyond that, I mean, is it a UPL, Devin Levi kind of world one-two punch? Are they going to bring back a veteran? Is it going to be a three-goalie thing again next year? The, the, the goalie gymnastics to me is a big part of this, Matt, because the rest of the roster is forming nicely, as you said. It's a huge, huge question. And I think if they make the playoffs... I would think they would narrow it down to two. I wouldn't rule out, you know, if they need a third, you know, they would have three. So if they needed a third, uh, they would certainly do that. If they needed a change up or if somebody wasn't playing well, 
Craig Anderson is is the choice when he's ready and rested. That's become pretty clear, but they're still being careful. They're playing him a little bit more often now than they were uh, a few months ago. I think just by virtue of them being very close to the end here and, you know, them these games just being more and more important. So I think, you know, game one, if they're in the playoffs, he's the guy. From there, though, can you count on him to go every other night and still get that same level of performance? It's not even, to an extent, it's about protecting Craig Anderson and making sure he doesn't get hurt, but it's also about will his performance be, you know, the high end of what we've seen if he has to play every other night. I think there's a possibility that he gets to the playoffs at 41 years old and says, all right, you know, we've conserved my energy for a lot of the year. Let's dig deep and I'll play as often as you need me. Uh, Uko Pekalukinen will be a complete wild card, I think, in the playoffs because to an extent he's been somewhat of a wild card in regular season action this year because, you know, he's inexperienced and this is his first time going through this big a chunk of NHL games. So there have been times where he is the guy, you know, that gives them the best chance to win and he's stolen some games for them. But he would be, you know, it would be interesting to see how he would perform in a playoff series. That's a, a completely different game for a young goalie. And then, you know, Eric Comrie is waiting there, I think, as as a bit of an insurance option if UPL isn't quite ready for the for the high pressure moments. And so it's it's going to be one of those things that I think they have to ride the hot hand and, and you know, be in the moment with as much as possible and just hope you know, Craig Anderson can be ready more often than not beyond this season. It's just as big of a question, I think, because Craig Anderson, you know, I would think would not return for another season, but you know, I thought maybe that would be the case last year. He's getting up there. My guess is, is this is his final season just, you know, based on uh, his age and, and the way they've managed his minutes this, this year. So that would leave you with Uko Pekalukinen and Eric Comrie going into next season, both under contract for another year. Devin Levi, as you mentioned, is a really high-end prospect in the system that I think they're hoping to get under contract once his college season is over at Northeastern. But I think he probably needs a year in Rochester before you throw him into the NHL. So that brings the question of is UPL and Comrie a good enough tandem next season? I think based on what we've seen so far this season, the answer to that is no. And that's a question that Kevin Adams will have to grapple with in the off season, because whether they make the playoffs or not this season, this is going to be a team that is absolutely ready to make the playoffs next season. And that should be the bar, the expectation as a franchise and they don't want goaltending to hold them back from doing that. They can expect some improvement from Lukanen. They could potentially go to Levi earlier than they than they ideally would want to if they get forced into that situation. And I know they liked Comrie, you know, coming into the year and they liked what they saw. The injury really uh, screwed things up in a lot of ways because it took him out of rhythm and uh, you know, he didn't have the job wasn't waiting for him when he got back because of the way UPL played. So, you know, then you're thinking about maybe there's a, a stopgap veteran uh, they can sign or trade for in the offseason to bridge the gap to Levi and take some of the workload off of UPL. But I think it's the number one question facing them entering the offseason because it can be such a big difference maker. It's 
it's such a difficult position to evaluate. It's such a difficult position to develop. But when you get it right, it can, you know, really make a difference in the bottom line point total of your team and can absolutely be the difference between, you know, winning a playoff series and not. So I think they need to get that right. And I think they're still in the process of figuring out what they have and the guys on the roster. So short and long term, it, it feels like their biggest question. Buffalo Sabres beat reporter for The Athletic at Matthew Fairburn on Twitter. Again, I encourage everybody to get that subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com. Matthew, great to see you at the arena. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.